0: This is the Beachy Books podcast. I'm Philip Bell, a published author and a writer. I run a little publishing company called Beachy Books based on the Isle of Wight. And these are my Beachy Rambles. morning hope you're well. You'd be probably unsurprised to hear it's another fine morning. It really is very warm, very early. Sun's up and I'm already quite hot walking a bit of dew on the ground. Yeah, it's glorious, it really is. <coughs> Today's ramble. Hmm. I'm not sure. brain's full of a lot of different things. But one thing I've been musing over is how commercial something is. Um, a lot of writing advice you get when you first start books and coaching and things, it all there's always this kind of disclaimer when it tells you things, bits of advice. So things about plot and story, it might say, unless your story is um, a literary novel or experimental or... And they always say something like, unless you're a genius, then basically stick to these... You know, hard and fast rules. A lot of the time the writing advice is is aimed at the mainstream. People writing genre books. So, I'm a science fiction writer, say, or I'm a fantasy writer, romance, horror, westerns. There's loads of different genres and there's new ones being created all the time. Um, Or not really created as such, but defined, I guess, by publishers and booksellers you know things like YA a young adult Um, obviously children's books picture books Um, and and the new ones coming out Um, I can't remember there was one is there another one that's a bit like young adult it's like coming of age type novel I can't remember what that category is called so it's kind of, you know, 19 plus sort of young people stories. Um, oh, I'm sure they've got they've got a name. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's gone now. There you go. You can see this this podcast is very informative. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I just started to think about it because I I picked up a little book in a charity shop the other day called revision by michael legat and he used it, it was in fact in the revision section as in revision books so it was incorrectly put in there by someone who sorted out the charity shop stuff fair enough it's just called revision you think it might be put in uh, things like let's gcse guides and things but no it's actually about editing which i have done a little ramble on and obviously we'll talk more on. it's fantastic Michael Legat is a great writer he, he um, I don't know whether he still does but he used to write a column in writing magazine um, which you know it's a magazine you tend to it, it's, it's in the news agents there's basically writing magazine and writers forum they're the two mainstream writing magazines out there in terms of if you're a beginner writer they give you lots of advice and to be fair you know intermediate and experienced writers can get something from it as well. I do feel like I've not outgrown it as such but I feel like obviously with magazines they do tend to repeat the articles in various different forms and the same old sort of advice gets chopped around Um, and I have to be quite wary at the beginning when I started writing I didn't read anything I didn't go to any courses I just wrote just I just wrote, I just feel like writing, I just wrote. It was a lovely time and I almost wish I could return to that time. Not that stuff I was writing was particularly brilliant, but it was a lovely time to be writing because I I felt unencumbered by advice, by do's and don'ts, by rules. And I notice all that on Twitter and social media now. You know, and I put out stuff every so often, probably a bit more flippantly than other people. <laughs> or it is a bit of sage advice, or maybe it's a twist on the standard advice you hear. So yeah, um, the, the advice, anyway, yeah, his, uh Michael Legat's advice and, and books are great and they are, I, I do quite like to read writer's guides nowadays, um, you know, when I started I hadn't read anything, done courses, and then I went along to some courses every so often, and, you know, you start to read creative writing books to help you out on various different problems, which I think is brilliant, and, you know, it's great to use the advice of others. The trouble is then you do have all that in your head, you had the, yeah, you also have your own internal critic you know, judging your own work, and then you have that kind of do's and don'ts type of advice, um, which, uh, you know, some of it you've got to take with a pinch of salt and you only find that out when you actually get on and write yourself and experience it for yourself just like any learning, actually learning by doing Um, experiential, is it? Um, is, is, you know, is the best way So, yeah, anyway, it's basically, it's that kind of, it's part of finding your voice as a writer. Um, Comes through reading, writing, and just practising. But it's funny how you can go back and read some of these writer's advice guides and you think, hmm, that doesn't actually apply to me now. You almost definitely know it doesn't. But if you're trying to get published in a particular genre or, you know, in a particular style, you have got to really tick those boxes and it comes down to cold hard number crunching, box ticking um, exercise like passing an exam you just need to get things right in order to pass it uh, there's no real room for manoeuvre obviously you can bring in original things into your story and plots but you have got to you know, if you want to have a standard genre story in crime or science fiction or whatever that you want to sort of be mass market you do you know things like about you can't really have too many characters you know and your central protagonist has got to be a particular type they've got to do a particular thing people expect it the audience expects that um, and really it's all about the craft of creating compelling stories which is one that every writer, if they're writing in fiction, say, or even non-fiction actually, it's worth learning. And then as a writer you hopefully bring your original twist to it, but I don't know, some of the advice I just, it's, uh, they very much warn you away from writing about your own experiences or using real facts. And I tend to do that a lot. I do use real things that happen, and I elaborate. Um, An example is creating characters. I love that. It's amazing process of coming up with a character and creating it. Oh, this is shit. So anyway, my sort of initial thought or my something I was thinking about was this whole, both the world, the market and the sort of advice you get as a writer is set up for for sort of streamlining you into becoming just a seller of your product in terms of, you know, there was talk about to be a successful writer, you've got to write every day. You know, it's almost this obsessive word counts that you've got to spew out of you every day um, and again I keep talking about it but if you're on social media you notice this more and more the am writing brigade hashtag um, but they're not actually writing because they're tweeting at that time um, you know telling everybody they're writing and I've done it I, I hands up I'm guilty as well because that's the nature of that sort of social media giving updates on what you're doing or what you're about to do or what you think you should be doing um, but I digress What I mean is that it's it can be very dangerous when you start writing to have all this advice and support because you it can it can then affect how your style develops almost because you don't actually you can write whatever you want and how are new innovative books ever going to be written if um, people don't experiment and don't do different things and constantly write to the market and are constantly thinking about the commercial aspects of it. I mean, when people say being a professional writer, they mean you can get paid for doing your writing, pretty much a full-time pay. So, um, and you, and I suppose one hopes that you can write exactly truly what you want and what you're passionate about, and that other people buy it, and that must be the ultimate dream, really, of any writer. Um, but by virtue of the fact you want to be making money from it, you, whether you like it or not, you are going to be prostituting your art, as my brother-in-law um, sort of came up with that phrase, he's an artist. So yes, we all have to prostitute our art in order to make a bit of money. Um, and. Yeah. And, and that does skew your art, in quotes, yeah? Now, if you are quite a straight-down-the-line genre writer crime, you might be happy with that, because what you can churn out, and it is a skill, I'm not, you know, whatever genre you're in, any kind of form of writing has its own skills and techniques and, and art itself. You know, if you're, what I mean is if you're maybe naturally a straight-down-the-line kind of writer... Um, then that's that's fine and dandy and if you can obviously make that work if the trouble is what you're probably inevitably going to do is just churn out another carbon copy crime novel or science fiction novel because you've read all the books and you, you read that that's what people want might not be the kind of writer you are and in fact if you are a tiny I wouldn't say even a left-field writer just someone doing something you feel a bit different you do feel a little bit alone sometimes when you read some of these books depending on what books you read or <laughs> there's a lovely one called on Dor- Dorothy a brand um, I think it's on becoming a writer or it's either becoming a writer anyway I've got it in my bookshelves it's one of those ones recommended to me years ago on uh, a university course Writing course and it's fab. Or there's also another one called Writing Down the Bones. Um, and and there's also I like the books more generally on writing on a, on a writer's personal thoughts on the journey rather than these kind of the ten rules of the perfect strip um, the perfect story structure or whatever. So as as always in life, there's a niche, if you can find it, great. Sorry, I keep having to stop the recording because just this sort of obsession with jogging, people running past me, running with dogs or running without dogs in very bright clothing, sweating, not pretending that they're enjoying themselves, but they're not. And I'm just mooching along without a dog, talking to myself. Uh, Who's the weird one? So, anyway, this is a very long ramble just really getting to the point that you, okay, a classic piece of writing advice is sort of don't, yeah, write what you know but that's always misinterpreted and it depends on your interpretation of it and I would would say I actually do write what I know But then you get other conflicting advice about saying absolutely fictionalise it all. You know, when you first start writing, you'll write a lot of biographical stuff. Well, you might do. See, I'm almost telling you what you'll be writing. You'll be writing completely different stuff from me. But a lot of stuff about your past might come out. And you can use that in your fiction, if you write fiction. Um, But I actually love all that real stuff. Maybe just a twist on reality. And perhaps that's kind of the writer I'm going to be. Or am. Because I can find... I do fictionalise stuff, I do make up stuff, but it really has a real basis, especially with characters on my children or people I know. <clears throat> so it's um Yeah, it's, I I've just got this kind of plots and ideas developing but a lot of it's all based on my life now. I'm wondering whether it's a good idea to write it because the trouble with writing about real stuff is it's hard to change. Anyway, ponder that. There's a little dog padded past me called a Jug. I think a cross between a Pug and a Jack Russell. It looked bizarre. write what floats your boat, really. But it's, it's very hard to, coming back to my thread of being commercial or, or that pressure of being commercial, making some money out of it, really does alter what you, what you do. But you could say to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to write exactly what I like, poetry, whatever, and do a proper job. Because it's a dance art easier. And I've... I pretty much always have had, in quotes, proper jobs, alongside my other writing stuff, and I have made money through writing, Um, but it's, it's a tough old game, and it probably shouldn't be anything other, really, because why? Why should you deserve to earn loads of money pretty much indulging yourself? Um, so, and it, it's, it's hard because obviously the media present, all the authors they ever talk about are the ones doing really well, <laughs> commercially, that is, um, or critically. Even some of the, you know, you'd be surprised at how little books are sold with literary novels, um, you know, and that's why they do these after dinner speeches and, and book tours and, you know. Well, they do other things, teach. And loads of writers teach. And what am I doing? I'm teaching. I teach. I teach people how to um, create their own books, self-publish, do my experiences. And I love it. It's really great. But, um, you know, it's if I'm absolutely truthful, when I get up in the morning... It's not necessarily always the first thing I think about other people's books, helping them make theirs. Even though I get an amazing amount of enjoyment from that, I learn loads, and it's it's lovely interacting with those of other people. It's like sort of group projects are brilliant, um, but I, for me personally, you can't beat doing your own stuff. But it's totally indulging and that's been my battle through ages trying to sort of battle between the commercial side of writing and the what you truly want to write. I mean just so, my children's books, Jack and Boo books, I did truly write what I wanted to write without any real regard to whether I'd sell any (laughs) and it was wonderful and maybe that's why they are a bit unique and different and not everyone's going to like them and I've had great feedback, good sales Um, But yeah, it's not everyone's gonna gonna be everyone's cup of tea. I I think I've had some feedback that, because of the visual look, and you know, the fact that they are lyrical, they might not have so much. uh, And because they are quite local in a way, they are UK. You know, you, you couldn't, a publisher couldn't easily print them worldwide, even though they have sold in other countries. America and Australia and Europe. Um, but I didn't expect that I only expected a local audience really for it especially, you know so it is lovely when you do something out of absolute passion and love without any real regard to commerciality and it does okay it does well Well, you, you can't beat it really Another cyclist in ridiculously bright clothing. <sighs> might just, I might just go for walks in really bright tight Lycra. and light crap. And I'm really surprised that people haven't tried to. Co- well, they have commercialised walking. I mean, I saw, you know, a whole group walking by with these, um, these walking sticks. These uh, are they called alpine walkers or Norwegian, Norwegian walking? sticks Um, yeah I'm surprised they haven't tried to sort of commercialize just going for a nice stroll in the country Uh, you know with a walking hat you need and walking gloves and walking walking shorts oh dear commercial things I think I'm probably resigned to the fact unless something miraculous happens I will be a very niche writer Um, unless I pull my thumb out of my bottom and write that book that has sort of been bubbling away for years, but I'm a bit too scared to write. That's really usually the books that change things and do something different. Yep, there goes that runner again, being dragged along by his dog. Uh, he said breathlessly walking along at a snail's pace. Um, Yeah, Um, they say you should write something absolutely purely from the heart, not caring what other people think, um, and get it all out there. Um, Perhaps I will, maybe that's I know. I sort of. I tend to come up with some of these ideas, and I, I do get a little bit nervous of going through with it. Or, not really that I can't write it, or do it justice. And I often do. I do a lot of short stories, and I find I can get a lot of all that kind of stuff out in short stories. But I know, and it is heartbreaking to think that you think you're doing all this work, and you'll get a very small readership, as I've touched upon before, or you're very likely to, even you know, with traditional publishing. Um, or you won't even get through the gatekeepers not because it's no good or any good, it's because they'll go I'm not going to make any money out of this, so forget it like short story collections, you're never going to get a short story published now unless it's maybe online or one of those mobile ones, but you'll you learn peanuts peanuts um not the olden days, like I'm into sort of the old sci-fi of the 60s um you know, those are the days of uh, in America and th- those analog magazine and science fiction um, magazines um, by the fut is it the the, the futurists um, Frederick Poyle. I think that's how he pronounce his name, you know, and uh, Isaac Asimov and yeah, such like. All of those sort of authors had had a market. They had magazines, very popular. God, you could even get, you know, stories into Playboy, which I think you still can get short stories into Playboy magazine. But it was a big thing. And yes, they did other things as well. They didn't just make all their money from that. They were teachers, literary agents, they just did day jobs. Some of them obviously went on to really go for it, like Isaac Asimov. And I'm not expecting everyone to be able to do that. Um, I think it's just that sort of... Tra- that um, horrible feeling of oh if I write this is it commercial enough should I, should I prostitute my art and change it a bit so that the masses will like it um, most of the books I've seen tend to like are maybe either cult books or just a bit left field and different you know I tend to go for the more indie rather than the mainstream Not because of fashion, I just purely enjoy those books more. But those kind of books are only successful in hindsight, in a way. They might not have even been successful in the author's lifetime. (laughs) Most of the authors I like, well, they usually died either obscure or in poverty. A bit like artists, really. Um, And, you know, lots of the masses like their books now because... They've had years and years to grow and become classic, so. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not expecting anything I ever write to become classic, but it, it's just, it would be nice if there wasn't the commercial pressure at the same time as also having an audience. Because in a way, what is the point of writing just for yourself? Obviously, there is a lot of benefits for just writing for yourself, and I did, that's how I started, I and I still write a diary. But in a way, I've always got an audience in mind, which is my children, who will one day inherit that diary. Anyway, I'm coming to the end of my walk now, and my train of thought. Uh, Yes, until the next ramble, goodbye. listening to the Beachy Books podcast presented by Philip Bell music by Dan O'Neill